2: Rate your happiness on a scale of 1 to 10 for the last week. And now do it again for the last three years. So we're talking from 2018 to now. And then one last time, rate your happiness level on a scale of 1 to 10 for your entire life since birth. Now quickly add those numbers together and divide by three. Hold on to that average number for this chat. But before we jump into that, let me backtrack a little bit and welcome you to today's coffee talk. I'm Kaylin and this channel, this All Things Coast channel, is a cozy atmosphere where you can come and have deep life talks over a cup of whatever you like. Today I have an actual coffee, which cheers me. It's already getting a little warm, so probably going to chug it in the beginning of this talk. And today I want to talk about the hedonic treadmill. This is something that I recently was researching and found it to be super interesting. I am not a mental health specialist, I am just... Canadian gal with an old soul that likes to have deep conversations today I want to talk about like I said the hedonic treadmill I've seen this information pitched in different ways before but I had never heard it be called the hedonic treadmill or it's also known as uh, hedonic adaptation and it's really the theory that we as human beings we want something and then we come up or we We give reasons and the benefits for wanting that thing and why we would need that in our lives. Then we work hard or the time passes or we do what we need to do or it happens. We attain that thing, we attain that goal. And then we get that fleeting sense of happiness and joy that comes from attaining that thing. But that thing then becomes the new norm. And then we tend to come back to a set point or base point happiness. And this can happen with both positive experiences and negative experiences so maybe we don't necessarily want something but something bad happens it's a breakup let's say it's a, a death in the family whatever it is it can be small to big things and we get our bout of depression or we struggle or we feel down for a little while maybe we get anxious maybe you know we just feel all the negative emotions that come with those negative experiences but even then that experience tends to weave its way into the new norm and even though we might be changed on the other side we tend to still come back to a set point or base point overall satisfaction or happiness in life. I find this to be super interesting. I like this theory because I myself have I can see this pattern in my own life in certain circumstances whether it was material possession that i wanted like a new pair of running shoes or whatever to motivate myself to go to the gym or to start running more and then i would get those running shoes and then i'd get super motivated and inspired and then run a lot and then those shoes kind of just become the norm like you're so excited the day you get them you want to just go show off your new kicks go for a run you know whether they're casual shoes or running shoes let's say they're casual shoes and you want to just go walk the town and show off your new kicks and then a year later those shoes are just in your closet and you might wear them once in a while and a couple of years after that they're out of season or you don't wear them anymore and that's the other reason why i find this theory or this concept really interesting too because i definitely could see how it plays into our consumer loop, the idea that we definitely live, or at least I have grown up in a throwaway culture where it's super easy to not even just throw away material possessions once you're done with them or they're out of season or off trend. Like I I think a really good example of this is I spent years of my life shopping at Forever 21 and, and blessed Forever 21 for being as cheap as it was, but it was also very fast fashion. It's very easy to kind of like buy that Forever 21 shirt then a year later it's kind of falling apart and you don't wear it anymore so you donate it. We're not having that chat today. I'm not meaning for this to become a consumer slash climate change spiel. I just think that I can see the parallels there as well. When you think about your overall life satisfaction from just where you're looking at it right now, we're only going from today's perspective, and then the last three years from today's perspective, and then just your last week from today's perspective, add those things together and divide, then that gives you a pretty standard set point. Now, obviously that would change. If you had a really, really good week this week versus a really bad week next week, that could definitely change that set point. Hence why I said it's not an exact science. I literally made that up, but it was just a way for just both you and I to get a general idea of what your set point was. And mine, Mine ended up being 6.3, which I feel like is low. I feel like that was lower than I anticipated, but I had a really rough week. So even if you just take the week out of it, minus one is 15 divided. So if I were to take, just take this week out of it, let's just do the last three years and then your whole life, then I would have a 7.5. And I feel like that's a bit more accurate. Tell me yours down below, by the way, set happiness point can definitely raise and fall given positive experiences and negative experiences, but that we tend to go back to that base point once those new experiences stop feeling new and they just become what we consider to be norm or just something that is just a part of our story now or a part of our experience or a part of our history or a part of our possessions, (laughs) you get the drill. So in short, we tend to come back to our same range of overall satisfaction or mood Regardless of our experiences, our choices, our possessions, our goals, our accomplishments, our pleasures, our setbacks, our challenges. Let's say you wanted to get a new car and you come up with all of the benefits and reasons for getting this new car. It's going to help you get to work. It's going to allow you to see your friends more often. It's going to give you freedom. Work really hard. You get that car. And it's super exciting. You spend the first few months riding around in the car, feeling just like on top of the world in your brand new vehicle that you work so hard for. And then a year or two down the line, it's just your car. And it's not that it's like just your car. I'm sure there's still times you appreciate the car, right? But you get into the car and it doesn't feel like it has that new car smell or feeling to it anymore because it's become a part of your norm. It's become a part of your routine or your day to day. And a note that's really important to mention as well too is that it is a range. So it's not that we necessarily have one set point for our entire lives, but the idea is that you have a central range that you tend to kind of hang out in the most depending on your temperaments and your well-being. So if you're sleeping really well versus if you're not sleeping really well. If you've been eating really yummy, healthy foods versus if you've just been eating kind of crappy and it just hasn't really been making you feel so good. If you've been drinking enough water, you're not drinking enough water. You're getting some exercise, you're not getting exercise. Like those types of well-being things or even just your temperaments, your hormones, like these things definitely can factor in in terms of how you're feeling. I think we all know that, but it tends to base range. Again, please note that I'm going based off memory here, but I believe this term or this theory started being tossed around in the 70s. I forget who from, but if I can find it, I'll pop it up on the screen. That said though, the idea or the concept of it has been around for a long time, dating all the way back to Aristotle, who actually wrote in one of his books, again, I don't remember the book, but I will pop it up on the screen, and in it had talked about how sensory experiences, things that make us sensually feel really happy or good, don't actually give us the long-lasting happiness that morally-based choices, decisions, or experiences perhaps could. So doing something, in other words, that morally aligns with your values could potentially give you more sustainable, long-lasting happiness, or let's say move the range or base point versus doing things that give you the sensory feeling of feeling good. Do you see this pattern anywhere in your own life? Can you sense or maybe Think back to times where this has been a behavior pattern of your own. It's a super normal thing if it does. Like again, I think that from small range things to big range things, whether it was wanting new running shoes, to achieving goals and accomplishments, it's just always, we tend to always want to move on to the next thing. How do we use this information? How can we use this to best benefit ourselves? Knowing that this is a possible behavioral loop that we all tend to do or that's normal. First would be variety. So creating variety in your life, but also creating variety or spacing out your positive or let's call them sensory based experiences. So something that we can all perhaps attest to is that we now have a new, or at least I have a now a new appreciation for things that were once totally day-to-day norm. Meeting up with a friend for coffee, Suddenly feels like a luxury because it was something that just wasn't able to happen for over a year and a half That alone speaks true to having variety or making things more What's the word if you allow something to stop? Being the norm and I know that that's not going to be the case for everything Maybe you don't want to space out having your luxury coffee every morning Which we'll get to you don't have to create variety in everything but just taking things like cake let's say if you ate cake every single day then eating cake on your birthday wouldn't feel as great so it's creating that variety creating that space and time and distance between experiencing things that allows it to feel like it's more of a gift it's more of a luxury it's more of a positive experience <laughs> my brain's starting to knot.
0: today's episode is brought to you by angie
2: Maybe you have your favorite coffee only on Fridays. I mean, you don't have to do it that strictly, but it's just, again, not normalizing things that you want to stay treasures. So I think that we should go back to normalizing having coffee with your friends. (laughs) I don't think that, I mean, that's always gonna feel like a treasure if you adore your friends, but I think that should be normal, but I'm talking more so, okay, your favorite song. When you find a song that just freaking hits, if you put that on repeat all day for over a week, you're gonna get sick of that song. Instead, like the song, maybe put it on repeat two or three times, and then tuck it away into a playlist and throw that playlist on shuffle so it comes on every now and then, and then you get to just like bliss out to the sweet, sweet music, but you don't get sick of the song because you're not, you're you're creating variety around the song that you love so much. So that's the first way that I think you can use this knowledge and counteract it to stop it from happening or having such a hold on you. The second is something that we talk about a lot on this channel, and it's mindfulness. In the truest sense, we can't be mindful all of the time, but when you're experiencing something that you either once wished for, or you just know is something that is to be treasured, then fully submerse yourself into it. Use all of your senses and be there. Let's say you're in a hammock watching the sunset. See the sunset with your eyes, hear the birds with your ears, feel the hammock underneath you as you're swaying back and forth. Maybe you're sipping on a, I don't know, hot tea at the end of the day as the sun's setting and taste that tea, but also open your heart up to the experience, especially if you're sharing the experience with someone else. Open your mind up to download the memory to each a micro detail as you possibly can. Again, I know that this isn't something that we can do all of the time. We're not meant to be mindful all the time because then we would be super unproductive and just... We wouldn't get a whole lot done if we were constantly trying to be mindful. But in those moments when you fully absorb an experience and you allow yourself to fully check into it, even if you need to be on your phone and you want to take a picture or video and document it in some way, then do that and then put your phone away. Don't split your mind up into a bunch of different places. This is, I think, a really important point, especially for our generation and the upcoming generations, because even if, let's say, I'm sitting on this hammock and I'm watching the sunset, I can be half there if my mind is watching, I don't know, let's say someone make a brownie on Instagram or show how to make the best brownies on Instagram. So even though physically I'm watching the sunset, mentally I'm split between a completely different dimension watching someone, I'm in someone else's kitchen watching them make brownies at the same time, which is a really, really cool thing when you think about it like the fact that we're able to do that versus our great grandmothers wouldn't have been able to, they would have just sat and watched the sunset. Again, that knowledge is power. Don't be in more than one place at one time. Fully submerse yourself, fully be in the moment that you're in. And that allows you again, to take those positive experiences and really relish in them and turn up like the hue or the richness of them so that we tend to not need so many more. We tend to not want so much more when we fully submerse ourselves into what is, what is already around us. Which leads me to the third way to work with your hedonic treadmill, your own personal hedonic adaptation, and that is gratitude and appreciation, which again is something that I I feel like we hear repeated often and over again, but I think there's a reason behind it. Often the things that become like (laughs) repeated norms or repeated lessons are because they, they hold some truth. And so staying appreciative of the positive changes or the positive experiences or the positive accomplishments or the positive possessions in your life allows you to go from feeling like maybe you're lacking in something if we're constantly focused on what we don't have or what we're trying to have or trying to get to and shift our focus instead, even if it's just for a couple minutes a day or whatever, to the things that you do have already in your life. It is instant wealth. When you take time to appreciate the relationships in your life, the connections in your life, the things you get to do on the day to day, it allows you to feel a sense of luxury and like, truly riches in your life things that you would have once only dreamt of people or relationships that you once could have only dreamt of circumstances situations experiences that you're having are things that you once could have only dreamed of and now they're happening for you fully feel the total amount of appreciation for those things and again i think that can go from the small scale to the big scale and there's so many different ways you can do it but i think the easiest way is just truly allowing yourself to appreciate something when it's happening and that can be really hard like i don't know if anybody else sometimes struggles with that i do think that can be really normal to have something happening and you're you're wanting to appreciate it but you almost don't know how so there's this anxiety sometimes to rush to capture something or you know you're trying to like fill it or feel it or like whatever you're trying to like we try to possess things even memories or experiences in some way but i think the best way to appreciate something is to allow yourself to just fully melt into the full loving appreciation of what it is whatever it is whether it's a person place thing experience whatever the fact that have you ever been in the grocery store and ever just looked around and truly thought holy crap We just come, we just get in our cars and drive to this box store and they just have every possible food you could probably ever think of or need or want from all over the world that you just buy and go home and you can just make and keep in your kitchen. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. It doesn't need to be that like, oh my gosh, gratitude for grocery stores and food, which I think is important to have, but also to the other things, to the other scalar range of things like listening to your favorite song with the windows down while you're riding on your way to work or home from work or over to your friend's house or anything, anything you freaking want. It can even be appreciation and gratitude for social media, technology, TikTok. I don't know, content, anything you want, anything you want. If you appreciate it and you're grateful for it, then your experience of it becomes more submersive. It becomes more, you appreciate it more so you don't need more. And then then all of a sudden the treadmill stops. <laughs> you, get, you get to get off. And it doesn't mean you won't get back on the treadmill or that you won't ever want anything else or have a new goal at another time in your life, but it allows you to start weeding out the things that maybe you don't actually need You're just wanting because you want the next high, you want the next feel good, you know? And you can shift and move your range, coming back to Aristotle, by choosing things that morally align with you, that are even just, again, being grateful for the world around you or the things in your life already right now in this moment that you would need nothing else is a really easy and fast way to move that range just a little bit higher. And then maybe we can come back to including the number for the last week when we look at it through that perspective or that lens of if I were to think about giving gratitude and appreciation, even in a bad week for all of the things in my life, that would definitely shift the range, shift the number way higher than norm. So yeah, that's my chat today on the hedonic treadmill. If you have any thoughts on today's topic, feel free to continue the conversation down below. If you also have any tips that you think can help when it comes to catching yourself on the hedonic treadmill and allowing it to either go at a walking pace or maybe even stop and get off more often, then again, throw that down below. Outside of that, I'm sending you guys all the love, peace and power you could ever possibly need. And I hope you guys are all just super cozy out there, drinking your drinks and doing your things. And I don't know, I don't know what you're doing, but I hope you're enjoying it. Outside of that, I will talk to all of you guys in the next Coffee Talk. Bye guys.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Angie.